0: Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Ah, mmm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.
1: What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UJ Podcast. I'm Tyler, and here with me on the other end of the line is my co host Curtis. And today, guys, we have the latest edition of the Listener Mailbag for you on the show. Uh, we do apologize if it's a little, I guess, all over the place today. We both have a ton going on this week, and we actually didn't even know if we would be able to even get in a second show at all this week. But, alas, we were able to carve out a little bit of time here today. Uh, Full disclosure, this was a little last minute. Got to be straight up with you guys. So if it's a little bit choppy here, please forgive us. But we thought, or at least hope... Uh, it'll be better than no show at all. So we'll get to the listener mailbag here momentarily. But first, just a couple quick reminders for you guys. You guys can follow us on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA. We'll love to get your thoughts and everything that's going on. It's an awesome time to be a dog. It's always awesome to be a dog, but especially right now. So love to hear what you guys think about uh, the playoffs and what's going down here in a couple of weeks. Uh, you can also find the show on a bunch of different podcasting platforms out there. Of course, you're listening to us somewhere. But uh just want to make sure everyone out there knows, especially our newer listeners, that you can find us on the big ones like SoundCloud and iTunes. You can also find us on the Stitcher and TuneIn apps. And uh, you can also find us on dogsportsradio.com, where we all got started a couple years back. Uh, and you can also download the Dogsports Radio app to your smartphone. So, of course, guys, we always appreciate you taking time out of your day to listen to the show. We really do. We'd also uh, appreciate if you had a chance If you could uh, rate and review the show on the preferred platform that you find the show on, we would uh, really be grateful for that. It kind of helps the show out as we continue to try to grow and bring you guys all the content that you want. But all right, Kurt, let's go ahead, man, and let's hop into the mailbag here and get to as many of these as we can. And we're going to start with Adam. Adam, appreciate the question, buddy. And Adam asks, this is an interesting question. Overall, is Oklahoma better than Auburn? Now, in the surface, curve, you look at Auburn and say they have three losses. Oklahoma's got one loss. But if you really look closely at this Auburn team, I think there's a legitimate discussion to potentially say that Auburn might be better than Oklahoma or at least comparably talented than Oklahoma. So how do you see those two teams, Kurt, Oklahoma and Auburn? I'm going to
0: be honest. I don't think it's a question. I think uh, Auburn is so much better. Uh, really? they So much better? I, I, I honestly think they're a lot more rounded team. Um team. All, all Oklahoma really has is their passing attack. I mean, defensively, they're not very strong. They're very weak. If you look at it, most of the time, they're just outscoring teams.
1: Yeah, and that, 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 those are all fair points there. Uh, I'll say this, and tell me if you disagree. I, I, I think you got to look at the teams in, in – from different points of view here and look at different sides of the ball. Yes, obviously Oklahoma, they're the number one offense in the country in almost every major statistical category. They really are. I mean, they're averaging like 538 yards a game, something astronomical. It's ridiculous. Uh, So they put up huge offensive numbers. And it's not just throwing the football. These guys run the ball very, very well. And I think people kind of overlook that that aspect of their offense. So they're definitely more explosive offensive than Auburn. They're definitely, I think, overall more talented than Auburn is offensively. But... If you look at the other side of the ball, I think you could say the same thing about Auburn's defense versus Oklahoma's defense, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think all the Auburn defense is just all around a better defense than the Oklahoma unit. So I guess if I'm looking at this, I would say the gap between Auburn's defense and Oklahoma's defense, which so Auburn's ninth nationally in uh, yards per play allowed, Oklahoma's 68th nationally defensively in yards per play allowed, that gap is between the Auburn defense and Oklahoma defense is bigger than the gap between the OU offense and the Auburn offense. The Oklahoma offense is ranked number one nationally in yards per play, but the, the Auburn offense, is no, that's no scrub unit, guys. The Auburn offense well, is 26 nationally in yards per play.
0: That's the thing I want to point out. Is like you know you're talking about the numbers. I, I think you only look at like few that are better. I mean, let's be honest. If it came down to offensive line, I think it's Auburn offensive line is definitely way better. It's just the fact they have quarterbacks. But,
1: but if you look at like production yards per play, if you look at explosiveness, all those measurement, those those metrics, if you look at uh, total yards, Oklahoma and basically every statistical category is number one offensively. But uh, but Auburn's not that far behind. I guess is well, that Yeah, point? and I
0: think it's more or less just based on their skill, though. Is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Um, based on their skill players. So, I mean, offensive line is not great. I mean, if you watch it, a lot of these times Baker Bayfield's uh, making some big-time plays, he's on the run. A lot of his big plays
1: are on the run. He does such a great job of just keeping his feet moving, uh, extending plays, and then just firing a rocket to guys. It's, it's kind of uncanny his ability to extend plays. Just keep His feet are always popping, uh, which all, I mean, all quarterbacks are kind of coached to do, but he just he kind of overemphasizes in a way. But, uh, yeah, he, he's, he does compensate for a couple of other deficiencies on offense. But, that's the thing to me. Yes, the the Auburn offense is not that fa- f- that far away from from Oklahoma because yes, Oklahoma's number one offensively in most categories. But if you look at yards per play, Auburn's twenty sixth. They're virtually top twenty five there. But Baker Mayfield, he is the X factor. Like Stidham is good. He is not Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is a baller. Okay. Uh, Let's be honest. And, if
0: Baker Mayfield was two inches taller. The guy's the number one pick the last two years. I it,
1: honestly, and I mean I'm not an NFL guy, but. If I was the Cleveland Browns I get the number one draft pick this year, I would seriously, seriously consider taking Baker Mayfield over every other quarterback. Josh Rosen, all those guys, I, he has what it takes. I know he's he, what he's six, maybe six foot tall, but the dude's a gamer. I know he, he's got to kind of rein in his emotions, but he's a gamer and he's deadly accurate with the football, and he has an underrated arm. His arm is plenty. Of, his arm is better than Drew Brees' arm. I'll tell you that right now. Um, but Baker Mayfield's a really good player. He really is. And I know we're not supposed to say that right now because he's the enemy, but I, I, I respect the guy for what he does on the field. And I think he is the X factor for them offensively. So I, I do, again, I think the gap between Auburn's defense and Oklahoma's defense is bigger than the gap between Oklahoma's offense and Auburn's offense. But Auburn doesn't have Baker Mayfield. So I, I, if, if you want to argue that Auburn's that Auburn uh, is better overall than Oklahoma, I, I wouldn't put up much of a fight against that. I would just – Yeah, I think,
0: I think they're just more uh, rounded
1: is what I'd say. Yeah, and, and, and it also depends on what you favor in a football team. Do you favor a dominating defense – or and I don't know if Auburn's defense is dominating, but they're a very, very good defense, a top ten defense. Or do you are you more of the fun and gun type guy that likes to see fireworks and that kind of thing? So what do you favor? Uh, and I don't know. I mean, just traditionally, I'm a defensive guy uh, at my core. So traditionally, I would or you know going old school, I would say defense. But with the way the rules have been have been reworked in recent years to favor the offense, I mean, right now, good offense beats good defense. It really does. If you have an outstanding offense. The way the rules are set up for you, I mean, it, it favors the offense. Now with, with Lyman be able to go four yards down the field on these RPOs, the way the defensive backs can, can hardly even touch a guy anymore uh, with targeting and whatnot, I mean, the, the rules just favor offenses. So, I, I mean, there's that factor. And, again, Mayfield, the dude's just a bad man. He's a bad man. So I, I might slightly lean Oklahoma largely because of Baker Mayfield. But, again, I would not put up much of a fight if you, if you argued Auburn because, again, that gap between Auburn's defense and Oklahoma's defense is pretty wide, and that gap between Oklahoma and Auburn's offense, not not so significant there. Uh, all right, next question from Jamie. Do you think the Rose Bowl will be a shootout, or do you think our defense holds Baker Mayfield in check? Kurt, how do you see that?
0: I want to say, I, I think holding him in check is keeping him under 30. Yeah, I think you have to, when you are say keeping Baker
1: Mayfield in check, I think you have to redefine the phrase keeping in check. Because we're not gonna, it's not like we're going to hold Baker Mayfield to 150 yards passing. That's simply not no. going to happen. It's just simply and, – and look, I love all of our guys. I love all of our players. I love our defense, and I we have an outstanding defense right now. But if you look at our defense, if there's one unit that maybe has a little less talent than the other units on our defense, it has to still be the secondary, right? No question. I, I mean, look, and I, I love some of the young guys. Look, Richard LeCount, that dude is crazy talented, but he doesn't play a ton right now. If you look at our starters with Dom Sanders – Maybe Malcolm Parrish if if he if he's healthy and back. I really like what we see in DeAndre Bayer I think he's probably the most talented guy we have in our starting uh, uh, defensive backfield there. Aaron Davis, uh, who else? Uh, J.R. Reed. I love all those guys. Those guys play hard. They play as a unit. They play smart. They don't give up a ton of big plays they're typically in the right spot. They don't blow a lot of coverages. They got a lot of experience back there, which counts for a lot. But if you're looking at just pure talent, I mean, clearly that's probably the least talented unit on this defense, right? No question. Yeah, no question there. So, to me, that's a scary matchup when you're talking about keeping Baker Mayfield in check with that secondary, which is the most vulnerable aspect of our defense, and they've been good this year. We haven't really gotten torched outside of the, the Missouri game. I wouldn't call us getting torched. There's a couple plays that we gave up, gave up, essentially three big long passing plays. That's kind of what Missouri does, but then again, torching defenses, defensive backfields is kind of what Baker Mayfield does. So I, that that concerns me somewhat there, but I just think you have to redefine keep in check when you're playing it. So. I, To me, Kurt, and tell me if you disagree, I think if – honestly, if we can keep him between 250 and 300, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I mean, are you with me there? 250, 300, if we can keep him in that range? As long as he doesn't go off for like 380 or 420 or something like that, for like when he played – who was it, Oklahoma State when he threw for over 500 this year? See if I can look this up here. Baker Mayfield against Oklahoma State. I think State. it was more than that. He, I, he, it was like almost 600, I think. it was. Oh, yeah, it was almost 600 to see Oklahoma State. Yeah, he threw for 598 against Oklahoma State. Now, that was by far his his biggest output of the year. He only threw for over 400 two times only. He threw for 410 against Kansas State, threw for 598 against Oklahoma State. I actually watched both those games start to finish. And uh, the dude's good. He's But if we can keep him between like 250 and 300, like Texas, they, they, they barely beat Texas. They beat him by a, a, less than a touchdown. Texas held in to 302, so if we can hold him to right around there, Baylor, uh, one win Baylor, was within a touchdown of beating Oklahoma, and they held him to 283 yards. So if we can hold him in that 250 to 300-yard range, to me, that's how I would redefine keeping in check when you're referencing Baker Mayfield in this game. So if we can keep him there, I think we have a legitimate shot uh, to to win this football game. And Now, do you think that this is going to have to be a shootout?
0: We're going to have to score more than 30, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean,
1: yeah, I, I, that's exactly what I, that, what I think. But I
0: think we're also – I think we're going to need to focus on uh, more of a uh, – not a quick strike.
1: Control the football. We're
0: going to have to grind it out.
1: Yeah, control the football, keep him off the field, no doubt, yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm with I, – look, I absolutely think we can win this football game, but – it's hard for me to imagine us winning this football game if we score less than you know, 30 point, 28, 30 points. I think we're going to have to score at least that. Because, look, Oklahoma, our defense is good, yes, but so is the Oklahoma offense. They're going to get theirs. They're going to score some points. We have to understand that. We're just going to have to outscore them. Uh, and I like what you said about playing keep away and just uh, kind of grind the clock, with those slow, methodical drives. And But if you do that, you have to capitalize. You have to actually score when you get down. there. You can't have these slow, methodical drives and not get points out of them. So we just have to, we have to finish them. All right, next question from Reggie, our man Reggie. Appreciate the question, Reggie. Uh, Reggie asks, what defensive player will get an extended role in the Rose Bowl because of the style of offense Oklahoma runs? You know, that wide-open offense, Kurt. Is there a player or two that uh, you might see defensively that we don't normally see a ton of that might get a little bit more of an extended role against Oklahoma?
0: Kind of what you saw somewhere to Auburn. Um You'll probably see people like Tyree McGee and Richard LeCount, people like that, getting more of an expanded role.
1: Yeah, I think well, Richard LeCount when one I've got written down here in my notes. I, I and you saw him come out, play a little. He played late in the game against Tech and was just killing people when he was just laying the wood on folks. Uh, and then you saw him play, a, a, I don't want to say a, it was not a prominent role, but definitely a more extended role than what we've seen from him becoming those third down dime looks. Kind of what we saw from him early in the year when we had all those injuries to to Davis and Parrish when he was kind of playing that safety role. He was playing a lot then, but also would come in in the, in the dime packages. So we saw that again against Auburn to get more speed on the field against some of their speedy receivers, those shifty guys. Uh, and I, I could definitely see that again. I, I definitely think Richard LeCount is going to be in this game plan in probably a similar role. Because when you play a team the caliber of Oklahoma that, that can score like they can, that has explosive play and likes to spread the field and and attack space, you need more speed on the field. You need more athleticism on the field. And Richard LeCount fits that in spades. So I think in situations, you'll definitely see him on the field. And look, you say Jay Fromm's not a freshman anymore. I know the Count's not played as much as Fromm, but he's been out there at practice for a full year now, right? Yeah, and, he, he was and he, an early enrollee. Yeah, he was an early enrollee. So you like to think that he's learning to play more and more. So the maybe the, and it seems like the coaches late in the season here are starting to feel a little bit more comfortable putting him out there and, and having trust and understanding of Malik schemes. Yeah, Malik Herring's another guy. Yeah, absolutely. He's seen a lot of more playing time lately. I and mean, he's and he's seen more than LeCount. And it, he's I'd say over the last you know four or five weeks you've seen more and more of Malik Herring. I, he's going to play a big role, a huge role for us next year. Especially if some of those guys on the defensive line decide to uh, to declare for the draft and go and leave leave early, but I really like what I've seen from Lee and You definitely can see him some more as well against Oklahoma. Uh, we mentioned Malcolm Parish here a second ago. At least I think we did. On uh, this question is from Tim, and it, it relates to Malcolm Parrish. Tim asks, "Do you think Kirby and staff have realized that Malcolm Parrish is a weak link in our secondary? Every big game McGee and McCown have been in, they've played well. So, Kurt." It, is the fact that you're, well, we didn't see Parrish as much on Saturday in the, in the title game, is that because he's a weakling or is that more injury related?
0: Well, he wasn't even dressed out, right? but I don't think it changes facts. I think the coaches do see he's struggling. I mean, like I said a couple of weeks ago, when Kirby made that comment how Parrish has been in the position he, uh, he the last made plays. couple of weeks, um, at the time of the Kentucky game he said you know, he's just not made the
1: plays. Yeah, I mean, it's great to be in position, and Parrish has done that. And you expect that from a guy that's been almost a three-year start and has as much experience as Malcolm Parrish. You expect him to be in the right spot. And to his credit, he does a great job of being in the right spot the vast majority of the time. It's just like you said – being in the, in, the, in the right spot, that's a that's a necessary step one, but once you're in the right spot, you've got to make the play. It does you no good to be in the right spot if you're not actually making a play on the football, and we've seen that too much from him the last couple of weeks down the stretch. Uh, I don't like anyone to be hurt. And Malcolm Parrish is a great guy. man. He's a great leader on this team. I, I don't wish any will on him whatsoever, uh, but... Right now, I mean, you saw Tyreek McGee make a couple plays again in the SEC title game, knocking some balls away, defending passes. And he's kind of done that all year when he's gotten chances. Not to say he hasn't had passes complete on him. He has. He, and he really was against Missouri, one of those big touchdown passes to Manuel Sanders, those long touchdown passes. That was on him. It was, but it wasn't like a got beat thing. It was a, oh, he made a mistake kind of thing. I think he lost the in terms of what coverage they were playing. And I think that he lost the coach's trust there. because it was almost that point where you started to see Malcolm Parrish come back in the starting lineup and start playing almost Almost the entire time out there, McGee kind of lost favor, but it looks like, you know, our coaches, I mean, really, honestly, with Parrish, how can you not notice him not making plays, right?
0: Yeah, especially because, I mean, they've been so big, they're big plays that he's not making.
1: I mean, teams are going, they're attacking Malcolm Parrish. Week in and week out, they are attacking him, and it's hard, I mean, if we see a guy's, trust me, our coaching staff, they know a lot more about football than any of us. They do this for a living. Uh, So I'm sure they've seen it. Um, But I think and if you're looking at the SEC title game, Malcolm Parrish not playing that, and that was an injury thing. Uh, now, maybe McGee would have played more than he has in recent weeks. I don't know. But I mean, Parrish is going to play, guys. He's going to play in this game. He's going to play against Oklahoma. He's going to be a part of the game plan. Uh, I would just hopefully like to see Tyreek McGee in there a little bit more than we did for a couple of weeks there. Uh, next question from Josh. Thanks for the question, man. Josh, uh, got to talk about Nature S. Patrick here, man. We all know, well, we're still waiting, I guess, final word on what's going on with the Patrick. It seems to be some, uh, I don't want to say confusion, but there's a few things up in the air in regards to those charges, but we'll, we'll find out pretty soon here, I imagine. But Josh asks, obviously Patrick is better than Reggie Carter, but since Patrick refuses to do right, how much will our defense drop with Carter in the starting lineup? Kurt, you and I have been on Reggie Carter this year. How would you answer that question? Um, it'll definitely hurt with someone like, uh, I
0: think that's why against someone like uh, Oklahoma. That you spreads would see, the field uh, and gets
1: guys in space. It, yeah, it hurts. I would be shocked
0: if we actually pl- didn't have him off the field that much. Um, we yeah. would go more with, uh, I think we'd go more with uh, five, uh, five DBs.
1: On the surface, I would say that was just smart the thing move. is
0: he just doesn't have the speed. That's where he struggles. Right. He has but, a but struggle if you sideline yeah, and getting does. off blocks,
1: he does. He's, he doesn't have that that overall athleticism and speed that Natrez Patrick brings to the table. And Natrez is not Roquan Smith, but he's he's a step up from Reggie Carter in terms of athleticism and speed. He just is. He's a better pass rusher, also. Uh, you know, he was a you know he was a pass rusher coming out of high school, so he has a little bit more of a of a, of a, a little more versatility there. And it, against a team like Oklahoma, where you got Baker Mayfield, you want to try to get after. Now he he carves teams up when they blitz him. I'll say that. But I like okay. I get where you're saying you want to put five DBs in the backfield. I think in a lot of situations you are going to do that. But you also have to remember this Oklahoma football team. Yes, we all know Baker Mayfield. I think it's all the publicity. But this offense also runs the football very well. I think they're like twenty, they're twenty uh, seventh nationally in rush, uh, rush yards per game. So, I mean, this is this is a really good rushing team as well. They're just good all-around offenses. So if you take, if you take one of the linebackers out and substitute a DB in there, yeah, you'll, you'll defend in space better. You'll defend the pass a little bit better. But i got a feeling they might carve us up running the football if we do that. So it's – I don't know. I, I, I do think if Natrest is not playing this game, which, I mean, it's, would you say right now it's probably likely that he's not going to play? I mean, we don't know yet. There's there's still a lot up in the air. whose Whose weed was that? Was it Stanley's? Was it both theirs? We don't know yet. We're gonna find out. But I guess I mean, he was arrested, okay? And I don't know. It's it's tough to it's tough to think that he's gonna play right now. I hope to God he does, but I don't know if I'm gonna predict that right now. But I mean, if if, if Reggie Carter's in there, I think it's I think it's a significant loss for us. I really do because we need as much speed athleticism as we can get out there. I trust Reggie Carter to know what to do. But I mean if you watch that first Auburn matchup when he was playing more than ATRA in that game, he started that game, and that was Natrex's first game back off suspension, with some of the misdirection they were doing and getting guys in space, running some of those RPOs, man, they were they were attacking Reggie Carter and, and we didn't have much of an answer for it with him on the field. That's just the truth. I saw that time and time again, what rewatching that game in preparation for the SEC title game. So I think it's a pretty I think it's a pretty pretty big loss there. But hopefully we'll find a way to overcome it. You just got to gotta next man up. Keep chopping. No doubt about it. Next question here is from Zach. Zach, we appreciate the question, man. And Zach, want to let you know we also do appreciate everything you do to uh, help promote the, the podcast on social media, on SoundCloud, all that stuff. Definitely appreciate that, man. We see you out there helping us out, man. And we absolutely 100% sincerely appreciate it. But Zach has has a good question here. Uh but we're actually going to hold this question for a show later on in the next couple of weeks. We actually have a plan to do a full show on this. But, Zach, we didn't want you to think we were ignoring you, man. What Zach asked was, Can you name the top five uncommitted prospects still on our recruiting board for this 2018 cycle. And that is an awesome question, man. In fact, it's such an awesome question. We think it's so great that we actually do have plans to do a show on exactly that, a full show on that question here in the next couple of weeks. So, Zach, we are definitely not ignoring your question. We're actually going to hold it for a full show. So we'll go really in-depth with what you're asking there. All right, Kurt, next question here from Nick. Thanks for the question, man. Nick asks, what would you grade this season as with a loss to Oklahoma? So if we lose to Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl, Kurt, Nick wants a letter grade on the season. So if we lose to Oklahoma, get in the playoffs, win the SEC title game, but lose to Oklahoma, what would your grade, letter grade for this season be?
0: Uh, Maybe a B plus, A minus.
1: I think it's an A. Honestly, if we win the SEC title and we get to the playoff in year two under Kirby Smart – Thinking about what we what season we came off last year seven five regular season eight and five overall and then we we then transform that or translate that to a eleven and one regular season SEC championship playoff appearance in the Rose Bowl how many of us expected that I and mean, we expected us to win that you and I predicted us to win the East but very few people actually predicted us to win the SEC title and be in a playoff position right now so for me. I think this is absolutely an A because I mean we. know one
0: thing I want to talk about too, it that it makes this season even more important is the fact that when it came to recruiting, yes, a lot of coaches were you know going against us saying uh you know watch them you know wait and see, and we went out and won. So I think this this season was that much more important for the long term.
1: No doubt about it. It's actually one of the things I have in my notes here. We're gonna mention that too because yes, it's not just about what we've done on the field. That's true. And, and what we've done this season is incredible for this season and for this team. Absolutely. But looking in the future, it laid the foundation for the future success, even greater success in the future. Because think about all, like you mentioned, think about all those big-time recruits that were kind of holding off to kind of see how we would do this year. And they were open about it, okay? Guys like Jamari Salyer were open about the fact they wanted to see how we were going to do this year. They just weren't quite sure because you know the negative recruiting against Kirby Smart was he's never done it as a head coach. I can sell you a bill of goods. He's a great recruiter. But why don't you wait and see if you can actually get it done as a head coach? And a lot of those guys, those big-time guys that have options, like Jamari Salyer, they were listening to that, guys. They were absolutely 100% listening to that. And they openly said in interviews before the season that they want to see us win. You know, if they're asking, well, what can Georgia do to, to move up higher on your list? they were basically saying they can win. And that's exactly what we did this year. So, now, it's obviously putting us in a great spot this year for this team. But, man, I really truly believe that this is only the beginning. I mean, right? I mean, this is, this is just the start of, I don't – I mean – I don't want to get too cocky here, but we, we could potentially go on a run here. I, I don't want to sit here and say it's going to be an Alabama-level run yet because what they've done has been ridiculous, and I'd be naive to just predict that we were going to do that, but I think we're setting up to go on a run, and we'll see how how, how great and how successful that run's going to be, but uh, I think we're putting ourselves in a position here to truly be among the elite programs. We've been knocking on the door of elite for a while. We kind of fell off a little bit in the last couple of years of the Mark Richt era, but we, for a while there, we were knocking on the door. Remember the early Rick Day era when everybody was saying it's just a matter of time until Mark Rick runs a national championship, right? They kept saying that over and over. I hear that all the time. And then it never really happened in the early part. And then we kind of tailed off. We came back up in the Murray era for a little bit there. And particularly the, the pinnacle there in 2012, we were just five yards short of, a, of an SEC title, a potential national championship bid. But we were never, I would never say that we were an elite, a truly elite program. We were knocking on the door. We were right there, maybe one tier below. But now we're, we're, we're ascending, and we are going to be an elite program, I believe, for years to come in the future here. <clears throat> All right, next question from John Boyd. Thanks for the question, man. John Boy asks, or he kind of says, I think it's safe to say Roquan is a virtual lock to head to the NFL. Do you think Trent Thompson will return for his senior season? He didn't take off this year like many people predicted. Kurt, do you see Trent
0: returning? Uh, he
1: should, but I don't know if he will. I think he will help his stock if he returns. I don't think he had the kind of season that really is going to put him in position to be a first or maybe even second-round draft pick. I really don't. But do you think he'll return, or do you think he's going to turn pro?
0: I think he might return. I don't think he'll get the grade that he wants to.
1: And I think you're going to see a similar situation here with like Lorenzo Carter, David Milley, particularly Lorenzo. Lorenzo's a guy that you know, had high expectations coming out of high school, you know, big-time recruit. Uh, and in his first couple of years, never quite lived up to all that all that hype. He had moments where he flashed, and you're like oh, dude, this guy's legit. But then he was just so inconsistent. And he and he puts his name in the NFL draft. Uh, wants to get a grade back and doesn't get the grade that he was hoping for. And then you got Kirby Smart there, kind of explaining, hey, if you're not a first round pick or maybe even early second round pick, it's in your best interest to come back and try to improve your stock. And you and I think. Trent seeing that kind of play out with Nick and Sony and Davin and Lorenzo, I think that might kind of influence him to a degree. You know, everybody makes their own decisions for sure, but I don't think he had the kind of season that a lot of people were expecting. I'm sure that he was hoping for. I think a large part of that was injury-based, right? Yeah. Now, to be fair, early in the season he wasn't dominant, but he was he was, a, he was playing very well early in the season. Wasn't dominating like some people had thought he might. You based off what he did in that bowl game at TCU in the Liberty Bowl last year. We had like three sacks, like what, what five, maybe five tackles for loss, something crazy. We all were hoping, man, maybe he's, maybe it all clicked for him. He's gonna have this huge year. But he gets injured, it's out for a couple of weeks. wasn't quite the same when he came back. and It just hasn't been that dominant presence yet. I still think he has that potential. He's just not consistent. He shows flashes, but he just hasn't been consistent. So I think if he comes back for another year and Kirby can some hey, look, man, if you're not a first second round pick, which I don't, right now, honestly, I don't think he's gonna be that. At least I don't think that's what his grade's gonna be, unless he just showed out at the Combine. I don't even know if he, maybe he'd probably be invited to the Combine. Um, so I think Kirby might point to that and say, look, these guys came back and I, I, I encourage them they're not first, second round to come back and it really worked out for them. I think that might work with Trent there. We'll see. I mean, there's a lot, and there's, a, you know, you never anybody's personal situation, you don't know what his family situation is, so it's hard to fully predict there, but I, I would probably lean towards him coming back. I don't know if I would have said that at the beginning of this year. All right, last question here from Alex. Appreciate the question, man. And Alex asked, Do you think Oklahoma's offensive line is legit, or just a product of playing in a conference void of defense? And Kurt, you kind of touched on that a little bit earlier. You want to give your take again on the Oklahoma offensive line? Um,
0: I don't think they're that legit. I think they're good, but they're not great. I mean, if you watch the Ohio State game, a lot of it was Baker Mayfield creating plays on his own.
1: Yeah, and And that's
0: the best front seven they faced.
1: That is definitely the best front seven they faced. I'd say that in Texas, probably the two best front sevens, and. Neither one of them held him in, well, it depends on how you define in check, but he, you know, he didn't dominate them. Um, I would say the Oklahoma offensive line is solid. Orlando Browns, you know, he's the big name. He's the big, huge dude from Peachter Ridge High School. Recruited him a little bit. He was just just so overweight coming to high school. I did not want us to get him. He's still a huge dude. He's dropped some of the bad weight, but he's a big dude. He's pushing like 350-ish pounds. He's a huge dude over there on the left side of the offensive line playing tackle. But overall, this offensive line, is, if you look at their numbers, they're not great. I know their offense is, is putting up huge numbers as a whole. But if there's a weak link on this offense, I think it might be the offensive line. If you look at some of the advanced stats here, they're 98th nationally in power success rate. So that's, you guys have heard me use that stat before. That's on third and fourth down with two or, two or less yards to go. How often are you converting? They're 98th nationally in power success rate. They're not getting a ton of move in those situations. Not overpowering teams. They're 77th nationally in stuff rate. So that's the percentage of plays that are stopped at or behind the line of scrimmage. So 77th nationally. Again, not getting a ton of movement. Guide, defense are able to penetrate against them in the backfield and, and create negative plays. So that's another one there. And then against uh, the pass rush, they're 72nd nationally in adjusted sack rate. So those numbers right there do not scream good offensive line. That actually screams average to below average offensive line if you look at the numbers. Uh, and that's against playing Big Twelve defenses. So you I mean, there's a couple good defenses they played. You, know, you mentioned Oklahoma or Ohio State's defensive front, which is a very good defensive front. You got Bosa over there, you got some good players. Texas has got a good defensive front as well. But outside of that, I mean there's not really a ton of great defensive linemen in the Big Twelve and they didn't have a ton of success against those guys. So no, I, I don't think this offensive line is a juggernaut. I think they're they're okay, maybe. I think, but you're right, Coach. I'm about Baker Mayfield doing a lot of things, making things happen with his legs, extending plays. So I think he makes them look a lot better than maybe they really are. And the way they spread the offense and are balanced, rushing and throwing the football, uh, keeping defenses off balance, they—it's hard for a defense to stack the line against Oklahoma because you've got to account for Baker Mayfield and that passing him. You absolutely 100 percent have to. So that gives them uh, some numerical advantages in the box, allows them to get to put up some yards overall rush of the football, but. If you look a little deeper some of those advanced stats, I'm not sure this Oklahoma offensive line is all that great. Again, I think this might be the weakest point of their offense overall. All right, guys. Well, that is it for the listener mailbag today. I uh, know it's kind of an abbreviated show here. We didn't have a ton of time, but we wanted to make sure to get something in for you guys, give you guys something to listen to, a little content here. And just because the regular season is over, that's in no way means that we're done, guys. We'll, we'll be recording and uh, producing shows all year long. We do this year-round, so if you're new to the show, Uh, Just because the season's over, the regular season doesn't mean that we're done. So keep checking back with us. We'll have you guys covered with Rose Bowl coverage here over the next couple weeks. Next week we'll have a little uh, introduction to the Oklahoma team. We'll definitely be previewing that game more as we get closer to the actual Rose Bowl. But we're going to give you an early look at Oklahoma and kind of get you guys familiar with who they are and what they do outside of Baker Mayfield. We all know who Baker Mayfield is, but we want to get you guys familiar with the entirety of this Oklahoma football team. So make sure to check back with us next week. We'll have a little recruiting talk also, maybe even a little basketball talk, a little hoops talk. Our, our hoop dogs, no one's paying attention to right now because in Athens, right. obviously we all are just completely zoned in on this football team and the amount of success we're having here. And I know in any given year, most Georgia fans don't really pay attention to basketball until the turn of the new year. But team's off to a pretty good start here. We might have a little basketball conversation next week as well. So make sure to check back in with us, guys. We always appreciate you listening. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. As always... Go Dawgs!